All right, guys. Hi, it's Dr. Mike Moreno. Welcome to Wellness Inc. The idea of this podcast is clearly this. There are so many things going on in the world, in the medical industry. We're talking trillions of dollars. We want to separate fact from fiction. We want to figure out what is snake oil and what's actually real. I mean, we have so many sources of getting things. We just want to know that we're reading the right stuff. So uh, that's what we do. And we are fortunate to have an amazing guest and a fellow San Diegan, I'm very happy to say. Um, <laughs> Dr. Azadeh Shirazi is our guest today. She's a board certified dermatologist in La Jolla, California. Yes, thank you. Yeah, it's nice to have you. Dr. Ozzy, is it okay if I call you Dr. Ozzy? Perfect. That's what everybody calls me, Dr. Ozzy. Beautiful. Nice. So let me just get into it a little stuff. You do some amazing stuff. And I looked at your resume. You come from some big names, Harvard and the Mayo Clinic and UT Southwestern. Um, you know, what I love about it is you're all about the natural look, but still flawless, but natural looking. And I think we see a lot of things nowadays where that doesn't quite look natural. And it's, you know, I think for a lot of people, it's a little concerning. And I love your That's passion true. for skin cancer. Yes. Yes, I still do a lot of skin cancer reconstruction, which really helps me with the cosmetic aspect of my practice. And I love the natural look. And I think that's what most people you know, are wanting now because the unnatural just looks you know, unusual. <laughs> <Exactly>. so, <laughs> but I, I am very passionate about skin. And, and yeah. Thus dermatology. I love it. <laughs> Let's get into this. No one wants to hear this. We're all COVID out. But let's let's just be we'll just start with what we know is coming. Mm -hmm. People are stuck at home. That's right. And, you know, with this whole thing about the mask and we're not going to get into that controversy because that, that's a whole nother chapter. That's but right. I, I have to ask you, when did the term mask knee get created? <laughs> well, pretty much when COVID started uh, <laughs> happening and people had to wear masks and, uh, and realizing all the things that could happen with wearing masks for long periods of time. No, nobody's skin was used to it. And uh, we started seeing lots of different issues in the skin with masking, including breakouts, irritation. And for the healthcare workers that have to wear that you know, heavy duty mask with the strong seal like the around N95. it. That's right. The N95. Then, you know, we started seeing some areas where we see skin breakdown. And, and so the term maxne came about and there's been lots of information on it and uh, different tips for the breakouts versus irritation. And so I see it a lot in, in my patients and I have to wear a mask. So I've seen it, you know, in myself too. So it's, it's kind of our new way of uh, treating our skin these days with COVID. Right. And you and I, having gone through med school and training and resident, I mean, we've been mm -hmm. accustomed at times in our lives to wear masks all the time. That's right. And uh, so, it, you know, but for the general public, that's not typically something they do. So let's start with prevention. As always, what do we do? How can we prevent some of this mask knee from occurring? I think understanding what happens to your skin in that environment under the mask is important. You know, you've got a lot of moisture buildup under the mask and you've got, you know, no airflow and you've got the pressure issues. So I always say stay away from oils because when moisture and oil get together underneath that mask, it almost creates this waxy substance that can get into your pores and that can cause a lot of breakouts, clogged pores. And so stay away from the oils. You do want to put your mask on with clean skin. So if you can try to avoid makeup, because it's not like anybody's going to see you with, <laughs> right. with makeup on under the mask. So <laughs> avoid the makeup. Use a 
gentle cleanser that's not going to irritate your skin, but maybe has some exfoliation there, like some glycolic or salicylic acid. So if you cleanse with that right before you put your mask on and use a kind of a light cream-based moisturizer, so not an oil-based and something's light that's going to help protect the skin because creams actually form a coating over the skin layer that offer some protection against the mask lining. So put on your cream after you wash your face and that helps kind of seal in the hydration. And as soon as you get home, again, you wanna remove the mask and, and, and wash and get your skin clean again and hydrate it. Now, if you do have acne prone skin, then you may wanna see your dermatologist to put you perhaps on some prescriptions and things that help with turning your skin cells over more rapidly, like a Retin-A or you know a, a different that you can buy over the counter, something that enhances your cell turnover to prevent those clogged pores. Gotcha. Would you ever go so far as maybe doing like uh, you know we use a lot of minicin or doxycycline, doxycycline for you know oral antibiotics more as a preventative? Is that something potentially? Yes. So I wouldn't use it as preventative, but let's say if you are getting those deep cystic. Yeah, yeah. like what if it, what if you get it? <laughs> then what? Yeah, if you get it, <laughs> if you get it, you know, you if you're getting those deep cystic acne uh, pimples or or the ones that don't really come to a head, you know what I'm talking about? Those right. ones. So the oral antibiotics work great for those because no matter what topical you're putting on, it could be the best topical in the world, but it's not going to get deep enough to treat that cystic acne. Absolutely. I think prevention of acne scarring and, you know, treating those that deep kind of acne is really important with things like minicin or doxycycline that's available. Great. So you're treating from the inside out rather than outside in. Right. So if gotcha. you have superficial acne, the topicals work great. But once you get those deep cystic pimples, then, you know, you really need to have maybe some oral antibiotics or an oral agent to help treat those more effectively. My favorite word in medical school is comedone. The comedone. <laughs> I love comedone. I always thought that I was a great word. I'm like, comedone. <laughs> so that's the take home message for everybody. Comedone. Look it up. Fun word. Great word to use at parties. What, what about beyond that? Like, let's talk about some home treatments like laser hair removal and micro needling, which I can't wait to get to. I mean, what's safe that you can do at home and what should we be like, hey, that's maybe going a little far as far as being at home? Yeah, that's a great question because with everybody, you know, on quarantine or or trying to stay in, you know, inside the house and not really getting out too much and doing too many treatments outside the home, the home treatments have become very popular. So the laser hair removal they're usually an IPL device, uh, the intense pulse light. And okay. so they're great for maintenance. They're not great at kind of starting laser hair removal and having it be super effective. So the gotcha. in-office laser hair removal is still much more effective. But let's say you're, you're, you're at home and you can't get to a, your derms office, then the IPL devices are actually pretty safe. I would say do some test spots before you treat a whole area. Make sure you're not going to get, <laughs> you know, alopecia. And, and, <laughs> right. Yeah, some 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 strange reaction. But I find them to be safe. There is one caveat though to them in certain patient populations. So if you are Middle Eastern, South American, we do see this paradoxical hair stimulation with them because they're low light energy they can actually stimulate hair, which is the opposite Ouch. effect. Um, so that's one thing to be aware of. We see this mostly on the face. 
we don't really see it like on the legs or underarms or the bikini area, but the face is where you might notice something like that. And if you do, you probably want to stop doing the, the at-home devices, but they're great for maintenance. So let me ask you a question. Like, okay, so for maintenance, so maybe start with your dermatologist and then mm-hmm. go home and can do more of a sort of a maintenance thing. Like how yeah. much would somebody expect to spend on something like this? Like on a decent product, what would you say is, I mean, that may be a tough question. But like what's an average price, you know, for the audience to say, okay, well, that's reasonable. Right. So I think between 200 to 500, you know, you can okay. get some pretty fancy ones up in the $500 range. But there's lots of them on Amazon. And if you go to my Instagram page, I do have an Amazon link of some recommended products. And Perfect. you can find some of the examples there. Perfect. All right. Here we go. Microneedling. I love uh, this. Yeah. Yes. And I love microneedling. <laughs> let's explain what it is, first of all, because I think it's fascinating. Uh, and then let's talk about, is this something you do at home? Or let's just hear your take on this. So microneedling is using tiny little needles that go in and out of the skin at various depths. And what that does is it induces new collagen formulation. It also induces your skin to release all these growth factors, right? You probably remember from med school, right. you know, with wound healing, we have all these you know, components and growth factors that get initiated when there is a wound that happens in the skin. And so microneedling is really based on those theories where you get release of growth factors that gives you smoother, tighter skin. We use it for many different conditions. I use it a lot for my melasma patients because I feel like that's one of the safest treatments they could do. But I also use it on scarring. I use it for um, little lines like smoker's lines or just texture on the skin. Right. So it has a lot of benefits. It is you know, it is a procedure I think that should be done in the office. I know there's Sounds a lot like of that. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of that dermal roller you may have heard and oh, microneedling yes. devices that are out there. You know, you can pretty much buy online anything these days. So you have to be really careful. What about, uh, and I know a lot of people probably been told this by their doctor, keloids. I mean, keloids are a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can just spend a, a second or two talking about what keloids are, why they come. And, and I tell my patients, look, you don't know if you're a keloid former or not until it shows up. But is there, right. is, would this be yes. effective as a, for a keloid? So keloids are almost like tumors in the skin. And they form generally like in the chest, the shoulders, the upper back. And it's when you have some sort of trauma. I've seen keloids from a cat scratch. It does some people's skin is so prone to keloids, right. it doesn't have to be much trauma to get it. And then the skin starts forming, you know, scar tissue, but it doesn't know when to stop. So it overgrows right. this big mound of scar tissue that's super thick. Now, microneedling, once you have a keloid, microneedling is not going to be very effective unless we flatten the keloid first, because the needles gotcha. only go in you know, a couple of millimeters now at the most, but could these at-home devices cause keloids? Possibly if, if, you know, if they're done at, at, at certain depths or if there's a lot of trauma to the skin in that patient or that person has a predisposition to form keloids. The other thing that I want to warn people about is that the dermal rollers you see that people use at home, the needles actually dull out after the first session. And 
if you have any type of organism that grows on these dermal rollers and you're rolling it on your skin, you can really inoculate the skin with some pathogens like, you know, bacteria or funguses. And, and I've seen some pretty crazy long-term problems with chronic infections from dermal rollers. So I am not a fan of those. I think they're dangerous and I feel like they're not very effective. Maybe the first time you use it, the needles are sharp and you get maybe some good results, but subsequently I would be very, very cautious in using them. Great. So leave the microneedling to the professionals in the office, not in the kitchen of your home. The table. That's right. Especially <laughs> not in the kitchen. <laughs> All right. So let's switch gears and get into something more uplifting. No pun intended, but the foxy eye lift. Let's hear about it. So oh, yes. not that, that I'm a, a right now. Right. Not that I'm a housewife's junkie and I watch them all and I'm not ashamed <laughs> to admit. Um, so Bella Hadid, her mom uh-huh. was on the Beverly Hills housewife. And That's right. Her her career has just exploded. I, I'm not going to go off on a tangent, but I watch every episode multiple times. So <laughs> she brought in the upturned eye look, right? That's so right. That became the quote unquote foxy eye lifts sort of birth. So mm-hmm. can you get this look? Can can I walk in and walk out with Bella Hadid's look? It's so popular. I have so many people that come into my office wanting that foxy eyes. So yes, to certain degrees. But you know, I also want to say that a lot of these photos you see online, you know, these people have professional makeup artists doing all sorts of contouring and you know, shaping the eyes with liner and shadow. But what we can do in the office is a simple treatment is Botox. Now Botox, everyone thinks, oh, Botox is for wrinkles. Well, the way I see Botox, I can shape the brows with Botox depending on what the person wants. If we relax certain muscles and allow other muscles to lift, we can get the ends of the brows to really go up and elevate nicely. And we can use other treatments like threads. Have you heard of these dissolvable threads? Right. I've heard of them. So the threads can actually be used underneath the surface of the skin. And this is a non-surgical procedure. And I do a lot of this. And I've been actually pleasantly surprised at the results. Now, in the right patient. But we can go in with dissolvable threads. We can catch the end of the brow and lift the end of the brow with these sutures. And it lasts about a year to a year and a half. Oh, that's a good good amount of time. Yeah, it's a great amount of time. And there's no cuts. There's no stitches. Because, you know, the traditional brow lift, you may remember from your Back medical in the day. school rotations back in the day. Blepharoplasty, right? Well, blepharoplasty <laughs> is the eyelid lift. And then there's okay. the brow lift. Which oh, this is the brow. Is the, the brow lift, which is where, you know, we make a, a, an incision in the hairline or in the, in the scalp. And we actually go in and pull on the fascia and there's stitches. And you know, it could be a long recovery. And some people may require this. But now if if you're in the right candidate, then you, you could just use threads. There's no stitches. There's no scar. And it's a 30-minute procedure. I do it in my office. It's under local anesthesia. And, you know, it's incredible. I've been really pleasantly surprised with the results of the threads. That's amazing. 30-minute procedure, that's it. Yeah, for most people, it's it's pretty pretty easy, I would say. Um, now, you have to be the right candidate. Now, if you don't want foxy eyes and you want more of a arch brow, then, you know, we can do that too. You can use the threads depending on where you place them. 
and how you lift them, you can actually create different shapes to the eyebrows and get a little lift of the eyelid as well. Very interesting. Let me ask you this. You know, I see in my practice, I see a lot of Bell's palsy. And I'm sure a lot of listeners are out there saying, oh my gosh, I've had that. I mean, Bell's palsy is mm-hmm. so common. Mm-hmm. You know, for the most part, 85, 90% of the people over the course of weeks or months will, you know, clear that up and not have that facial droop. But, you know, in your experience, have, have you had in some of these more chronic type conditions where people continue to have that, that, you know, we do physical therapy, we do a lot of different, um, you know, speech therapy. So you're working with the, the muscles of the face and so on and so forth. Is there any sort of stuff that you could do or recommend that may help with that, that droop? That droop. Well, you know, it, the threads is a possible option. Yeah, that's what I, the way um, you're describing it. I was like, I wonder if this is possible. Yeah, it could be because what it does is it catches the tissue underneath the skin and then repositions it. Uh, but you know, Bell's palsy, as you know, is is quite complicated. It really depends on where and and right. the degree and the patient's skin type. You know, how are they? Do they have thin skin? Because if you've got thin skin, sometimes these threads are not a good option for you. So really need somebody with good subcutaneous tissue that the threads can hook onto to adjust um, the position. But gotcha. yeah, I've never had anybody, I've never treated anybody with for that. But, you know, that's a great point you bring no, up. No, I was thinking about it because, you know, like I said, yeah. most people recover and they're fine. It's a, And it's quite a traumatic right. experience for so many people. But, you know, it's mm-hmm. it, it's it's really scary. But I'm thinking, as you were talking, mm-hmm. I was thinking, I have to look into that. All right, let's move yeah. from eyes to lips. And Lisa Renna comes to mind. Lisa Renna's <laughs> got to have the most famous lips on TV. Oh, my gosh. Oh my famous God. or infamous? I mean, yeah, look, it's made her what she is. She is one of my favorites. I th- I love her. She's such she a is. go-getter. I love her, too. She She's is. Fabulous. She cracks me up. She is so, fabulous. So why would we fill the outline? Like, give us the story. Give us the whole So you're probably talking about those, the Russian lips. Right, you know, exactly. Where they, <laughs> you know, they get the elevated, uh, you know, border of the lips. Right. Um, and that's, that's something, you know, all about the hot trends. I'm impressed. <laughs> well, you know, uh, let's just call it research. Uh, Bravo TV. <laughs> there you go. Listen, I'm not ashamed uh, to admit it. <laughs> Yeah, so Russian lips, where we get this exaggerated, dramatic definition of the border of the lips. And that is a great treatment for somebody who has fuller lips. Now, if you've got thin lips and you're trying to go for that Russian lip look, it's not going to be the same. You might end up more like the duck lips because putting too much filler in the border of the lips is great if you've got, you know, the tissue for it. But in somebody like, like Lisa Rinna, but somebody who's got, you know, very thin lips, it's not going to, it's not going to work. But I love doing lips, you know, lips are always very, very popular. There is a new filler out that I'm just really enjoying using. It's called Restylane Kiss. It's a great name. (laughs) <laughs> Restylane, well, Restylane's been around for a while, right? For a while, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. so this is a new line on the Restylane uh, products. And the, what I like about it is that it integrates really nicely with the tissue and it's stretchy. So there's different fillers on the market and they all have different properties. And so we use them in different areas of the face. And, and I particularly like these stretchy, these new stretchy fillers because they integrate very nicely with the skin. And so for around the mouth or in the lips, when you move and talk, it looks more natural because 
of that stretchy property of the filler. That's so great. doing a lot of that, and a lot of people do ask for that more defined lip line. Now, women in particular, as we age, you may notice when you put on your lip liner, you know that that border of the lip gets less and less defined with age, and so that right. Russian just atrophy, lip look, right? That's right. Yeah. So it's nice to get a little bit of the border back. I also use threads to. Uh, accentuate the lip border as well. So that's another play on the threads there that we were talking about earlier. Putting some in the border of the lips stimulates collagen and gives it a little structure, you know, a little more definition there. Got it. Restylane kiss. I have to remember that one. I love it. (laughs) Okay. So now let's move to something that I've been dealing with for 20 years, not me personally, but with patients. Melasma, the dreaded dark spots. And I can't tell you, listen, there are so many reasons I am a, I'm happy. I'm a guy and not a woman. And uh, this is one of them amongst so many. I tell my patients all the time. I'm like, I am so glad I'm a guy and not a woman because women have to go through so much more stuff than us. We're like big babies. (laughs) So I, I, this is my only thing. And I can't wait to talk to you about this because yeah, I know there's, it's a lot of it is hormonally based. And I was like a Mm -hmm. soliloquine forte baby back in the day, right? Mm-hmm. Soliquin Forte, like in the 90s is what, that was my thing. And in fact, I still use Soliquin. Let's talk, mm-hmm. maybe tell the audience a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about melasma and the dark spots and the causes. And, you know, let's get into this. This is a big topic. Melasma is a chronic condition. The way I explain it to people, it's kind of like if you have diabetes, once you get it, it needs chronic management because it's so difficult to cure you always have it. And if you don't take care of your skin, then it will come back. And it's so responsive to the sun. As soon as you get any sun, boom, you get these brown patches. And we call it the mask of pregnancy because you have brown patches on the nose, the upper lip, the cheeks, the forehead. And it almost looks like you've got kind of a brown mask on because the pigmentation is different than like freckles or sun damage. It's a solid sheet of brown. So you know, it's such a distressing condition for women. You know, you have women that say, you know, I wake up and I look like I have a mustache on. But yeah. I have to say, it's one of my favorite treatments now. If you were to ask me this five years ago, I wouldn't say that. But now <laughs> I love treating melasma. Oh, God. I love it Tell so me. <laughs> Give me your tricks. I love it so much that my practice actually just formed a program specifically designed for melasma patients called Skin Bright. And Skin Bright just does exactly what I said, has people on a regimen, a skincare regimen, 12 months of the year, because that's what it really takes. Just like you have somebody with diabetes on a you know certain regimen and you check in with them periodically, I do the same thing with melasma. Wow. So there's been some really good, great advancements in terms of topical therapy, and we've learned so much about it. One thing that is a misconception, a lot of people automatically want to do laser. You know, right. they say, well, I'm going to laser it. It's going to come off. That's what's going to cure me because you always feel like you have to do something in the office. But that's not true, actually. A lot of lasers actually make melasma worse. Really? So, yes. And people don't realize this until they go in for a laser treatment. And initially, they're great for a week. And then, boom, the patches are back. And they're actually worse than they were before. Because if you think about it, Dr. Mike, you know, melasma, as soon as you get any UV rays, it comes up, right? And lasers are light-based. Right. So, 
the light from the lasers can actually make the melasma worse long-term. So UVA, UVB, that sort of thing, that same sort of- UVA, UVB, yeah, yeah, different wavelengths of light. Makes perfect sense. The other thing with melasma patients, if their skin gets red, it turns brown. They go from red to brown. So heat- you know, can exacerbate and make melasma worse. Even now there's pretty good data on blue waves from the screen with everybody. Like a cell phone? Yeah, like cell phone or your computer screen. That's just little tiny amounts of blue waves. Right. They're not that strong. They're not so strong as UV rays, but still they can also exacerbate melasma. So melasma is very tricky. And I usually suggest you start with a skincare regimen that involves various ingredients like hydroquinone, kojic acid, vitamin C, some natural brighteners like burberry, arbutin, retin-A. So the combination of these ingredients in a uh, dedicated skincare regimen and a very simple skincare regimen. Beautiful. I've, I've always been taught, you know, my buddies that are derm guys, they're always like, mm-hmm. listen, the key to good skin is moisturizing. Moisturizing. I'm like, they're like, that's all you got to remember, (laughs) you know, just stay more. And I'm a swimmer. So Uh I struggle a lot with dry skin. I think a lot of us do with, we have allergies or seasonal allergies, or we're just prone to, uh, you know, all of these dry skin conditions and eczema. And it's, it's really, I mean, it's devastating for people's lives. You know, people just say, oh, it's just dry skin. No, it's not. I mean, it's a big deal. When you look at severe, you know, eczema and, and, you know, psoriasis and these plaques, they're really life-changing for people. And so I think, you know, we need to kind of look at this and, and, you know, realize these things. But yeah, my friends are always like, listen, moisturize, moisturize. So I'm like a fanatic. <laughs> Let me ask you, okay, <laughs> off the, I, just a little bit off topic. Let's say for the average Joe, mm-hmm. like myself, mm-hmm. um, um, I don't have all of the lotions and potions options. And I go to your CVS, your grocery store to where they have a decent sort of selection of things. What is my go-to for the average Joe? What would you recommend if I had to go in and buy two things in the skincare aisle? What are the two things that you would say, you know what? These are decent products. It's not some, you know, multi hundred dollar thing. Like what, what would you say to the average Joe? So is the average Joe just looking for just skincare or yeah. does he have a lot? Yeah, just skincare. Yeah. Well, General skincare. stick with a gentle cleanser. Okay. Because gentle cleansers, you know, they they can be incorporated in, with, with anybody's skin. The cleansers point is just to get your skin clean without irritating it. So gotcha. something like CeraVe or La Roche-Posay, which you can both find at CVS, are great. Or Neutrogena has a Hydro Boost cleansing lotion. Those are all just gentle cleansers. They do the job. You don't need a fancy cleanser. Then the next gotcha. thing would be to do to get a good moisturizer with SPF. So CeraVe AM is great because it is a mineral-based uh, SPF cream that also has ceramides in it. Ceramides are important at repairing the skin barrier. And if you want something more tinted, some people love those tinted moisturizers because it kind of gives them a little coverage as well. Nice. Then La Roche-Posay has a great tinted moisturizer. So cleanser and moisturizer is really, you know, can make a whole lot of difference in somebody's skin. You see right. imperfections, 
with dry skin. And once you hydrate the skin, a lot of those imperfections go away. Your lines get better, your pores look, you know, tighter. So I think you're onto something with the moisturizing and hydrating the skin. Uh, so my friends have not been lying to me. No, they, good they're, they're good friends. Good advice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Dove guy. I love Dove soap. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, when, when I was a kid, like we always had Dove and I've always found it to be, I've stuck with it, you know, at my right. Well, that's because you're a man and men's skin is tougher, you know. Yeah. You guys would just use head and shoulders as your shampoo and your face wash. Yeah. Oh, my God. I don't Which, even want to go the down way, that I road. <laughs> I do recommend head and shoulders for a lot of people as a face wash. You know what kind? What kind? Well, you know, I use I use head and shoulders and Denerex and Celsin Blue for a lot of topical, you know, fungus, skin fungus. Yes, yes. And a lot Great. of people get fungal acne, you know, if you get little bumps on your forehead that look like acne, but you know, it's not fungal acne, or if you get like peeling redness, dryness around your nose. So. Wow. So many things can go wrong. <laughs> no. Skin All is right. Complicated. So let, now here's a good one. I know everyone's going to want to know about this. Let's talk about uh-huh. tightening of the skin, right? Yeah. So how many, like there are like topic. so many things out there and like, uh, what do we do? Where do we, how do we sort through this myriad of, of options? What's, you know, does this work and, and what do we do? Yeah. So there's so many different types of skin tightening. And so the way I like to, to look at it is the technology that's used. So you can go, you know, thermage, like radio frequency is a big one for skin tightening. And a lot of devices insert into the skin and, and fire the radio frequency waves. And that tightens the collagen underneath. Thermage is, is less invasive. So there's no nothing going into the skin, but those are classically um, great for skin tightening and rejuvenation. There's also ultrasound therapy, like all therapy. Have you heard of that? That's a popular one as well. All therapy uses ultrasound to specifically take a layer of skin and cause that tightening. Now, one thing to be aware of with with all therapy is it's very technique dependent because if you get too deep, and you go right. below the dermis and you get into fat, it can kind of melt your fat, which is not what you want because no. fat is what keeps our skin plump. So be very careful on the old therapy and who, who does that because it can be a little tricky. And then the other, uh, which is my favorite skin tightening device is laser resurfacing with CO2 or erbium lasers that penetrate into the skin. And I just love this procedure. I do something called the contour laser and I can just see with each pulse taking that skin and kind of shrinking it and tightening it. So those are kind of the big three classes in terms of skin tightening technology that's available right now. And it depends on, you know, what kind of skin you have, how much downtime you, you know, you want to take and, and how old you are and how much tightening you, you know, you really need. But those are all great treatments and advances now in skin tightening. Okay. So let me ask you a question. My girlfriend has this, like, it looks like a, a mini rolling pin, a little like marble stone is what it looks like. Oh yeah. You, a jade roller. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. Yeah. It's jade. It's, you, it's gonna, the stone, right? Go home and, yeah. You're going to have to go yeah. home and say that to her. She's going to be very impressed. That you yeah. She like, she, like, you know, I'll be brushing my teeth and she'll be like, here, you should just try this thing. And I'm like, get away from me with that thing. I'm like, I don't, I'm, it's like a weird little mini. It's like I could make yeah. a mini tortilla with it. It's a little thing. 
But so that's a good deal. I mean, are you are you into the? Is that? It's it's not going to tighten your skin. It's not going to get rid of your wrinkles. But you know uh-huh. what I think it might help with is lymphatic drainage. Yeah. Okay. To her credit, she has said that she's like this helps the lymphatics. I'm that's like, okay. right. The lymphatic drainage. Right. Now she could do facial exercises. Have you heard that facial no, exercises? No. What is this? Or, so you know we have all these muscles in our face, and if you build the muscles in your face, it's kind of like putting volume in, right? Putting fillers in, and so. There are these facial exercises that women can do that helps build their muscle. The muscle that I think is worth building is the cheek muscles because a lot of us lose so much volume in the cheeks as we age, which causes the sagging and so forth. So facial exercises and strengthening the muscles of the cheeks could help kind of pump up that skin. And there's been actually articles written on this. And I think I've done a Instagram story on it before. I think there's some science to that. And I think there's some truth to that. Hmm. All right. Well, well yeah. I mean, so much good. St- I could go on forever with all <laughs> of this stuff. All right. Now the ever so popular, or I should say hated cellulite, uh, mm. you know, first of all, how much cellulite is genetic? Mike. So 90% of women have cellulite and 10% of men yeah, guys it's don't have so it. Common. Yeah, they don't have it. You know, and and a lot of people think cellulite is a disease of the fat, but it's not. It's actually a disease of the skin. I shouldn't call it a disease because it's normal, right? Cellulite is normal. Right. I should call it a condition of the skin. It is a condition okay. of the skin. And the reason people get cellulite is because they have these fibrous bands that pull on the skin, and that pulling causes dimpling. And a lot of cellulite treatment involves you know, cutting those bands that are causing the rippling effect in the skin. And it's funny you bring up cellulite because just recently the FDA has approved the first injection for the treatment of cellulite. So I'm super excited about That's this. That's huge. It huge. It's called QUO, Q-W-O, and it comes out in the spring of 2021. Wow, so that's going to be a this. blockbuster. I know how it's going to be awesome. And what the injection does, you inject it under the dimple and it dissolves those little fibrous bands that are responsible for the dimpling of the skin. So it melts them away. It melts those fibrous bands away, which Magical. is awesome because we have treatments. There are great treatments, but they're a little more invasive than that. It's going to be really nice to just have a little injection. Yeah, you know, that you bring up a great point because, I, you know, I tell patients all the time that want to go through with, you know, a lot of whether it's procedures and it could be a dermatological thing or it could be, you know, other things, gallbladder disease, whatever it may be. And I'm like, always be careful for what you are doing, because a lot of times when you do something with this ideation that it's going to always be better, it doesn't always work. So, you know, you got to know, go to someone who knows what they're doing and really weigh the benefits. You know, everything is a risk benefit, right? I mean, that's Absolutely. that's life. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's important, but wow, that's so QWA, QWA. QWO, QWA. QWO, and when is that coming out? Spring of 2021, so look for that. Right around the corner. That's right, I'm Beautiful. so excited. Okay, we can't finish this without playing a game. So it's game time. Okay, great. I love that. All right. Okay. So the game is called, would you slather? As in slather a product on your skin. Okay. Okay. Instead of would you rather, we're talking, would you slather? 
<laughs> All right. So I'm going to just give you some things and you're going to say uh, yay or nay on these things. Okay. And you know what? We, as a doctor, y'all, we hear crazy stories where people come in and say, Hey, uh, you know, my doctor said I should just drink like a um, hundred ounces of pineapple juice every day for a month. Is that a good idea? I'm like, probably not. <laughs> I mean, you know, sometimes intuitively things sound like bad ideas. So here we go. Distilled white vinegar. Would you slather that? Yes. I love white vinegar, but for what? I guess. I wouldn't just put on normal skin. I would Whoa. dilute it down. <laughs> okay, good. And you would probably not smell very good. Do they make like a vinegar that doesn't smell like that? Probably Well, not. I think, so you should dilute vinegar one to 32. So one ounce of white vinegar to four cups of water. If you're a baker, you'll know. Wow. Um, so if you use it at that concentration, it shouldn't smell very bad. But I love vinegar because it's antifungal. It's antibacterial, especially against pseudomonas. And right. it's a great way kind of to hydrate the skin. So for post-food surfacing, we actually have people miss their skin with that dilution of vinegar. As Vinegar's the wound great. Is healing. Yeah. I tell my patients to rinse their ears out with vinegar and, and rubbing alcohol. It's the best thing. Ever. <laughs> yeah. Really exactly what you ear? just said. Exactly. For you know, or or ear, for yeah. wax makers, you know, people. Or not for wax, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a great thing to do. How about coconut oil? That's a common one. On the hair, I would slather. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not on your skin? Well, coconut oil is actually pretty comedogenic. So if you are prone to acne, and we are in the age of mask me, mm -hmm. I'm not sure if I would put it on my skin. I think it would be good for the arms and legs. Okay. But not really on my face. Or right. I'd love it on the hair. It's great for the hair. Okay. How about charcoal-based products? I love charcoal. One of so our best masks. Yes, for <laughs> sure. Yeah, we have a mask called the detox mask and it's charcoal based and it has sulfur in it. And it. charcoal is great at removing oil and impurities from the skin. So yes. So yes, thumbs up on that. <laughs> How about facial scrubs? It's like every everywhere I turn, you go to the facial scrub aisle in the grocery store. There's like a hundred different facial scrubs. Like, no, uh, no, no, no go on the facial scrubs. I, I don't know why they're so popular. Like my most hated product is that apricot scrub. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been like, around forever. It's like I two bucks. I yeah, was, we had that growing up too. <laughs> I was a teenager. It's still on the shelves. It's pretty crazy. It's still oh around. My God. I don't like scrubs because you know what? They cause these little micro cuts in the skin. And that's how organisms get into the skin. They're also very irritating. I would much rather use a glycolic or a salicylic acid or even a retin-A to exfoliate my skin than a scrub or even those brushes, you know, which ones I'm talking uh, about. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Or like the electronic brushes, you know, that people use those devices. Oh, I just think of all these organisms growing in the lining of the brush over time in a damp bathroom. I don't know. I think just use your hands, use your fingers. Yeah. I don't, you know, it's something about the scrubbiness. It makes you feel like you're taking, you know, everyone says, good. remove those dead skin cells. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's right. Get, let me have some of that. So there is one brush though. I do like, have you heard of dry brushing? No. Dry brushing actually works well. It's it's used for cellulite, but it works great for lower extremity circulation. It's a dry brush, so that makes me feel better because it's not like any moisture or water, you know, sitting on it. But you start at your ankles and you brush towards your heart. So these body brushes, you kind of work your way up 
the legs and it's supposed to help with circulation and that sort of thing. So that's the only brush I think I would do on my body, the dry okay. brush. <laughs> Plain old like hydrocortisone, you know, like so over the counter is going to be 1%. Beyond that, 2.5% and up, you're going to have to get a prescription. But what about say 1% OTC for pimples or like skin, itchy skin? Uh, yeah, unless you have like a really bad red rash, like poison ivy or like, you know, a bug bite that's really irritating you. I wouldn't even put hydrocortisone on my face for sure because right. one, long-term, it could thin out your skin and it could cause these breakouts called perioral dermatitis where it almost looks like acne around your nose and mouth. I see that very commonly because hydrocortisone, as you know, makes Steroid. anything that's red, yeah, anything that's red go away. The problem is it masks a lot of skin condition and then ends right. up making it worse. People get dependent on the cortisone and it just becomes, people just, it makes it a hot mess after. So I would say do not use it unless you're consulting with a doctor or dermatologist. Perfect. Okay. Lastly, for us sun monsters out there, when we overdo it and don't apply our sunscreen as we all should know better, mm -hmm. what about good old fashioned milk? Do you rub that all over yourself? Milk, if you have yes. a sunburn. <laughs> yeah, so for a sunburn, yeah, let, let's say yeah, you fall asleep. So you just dump milk on you. Well, yeah, or yogurt um, is good. And uh, aloe actually is probably the best. Oh, I love aloe. The least messy. <laughs> Maybe drink the milk and right, get some aloe <laughs> and put it on your skin. Yeah, I love aloe for sunburns. Um, it cools the skin. People should not use heavy ointments like Aquaphor Vaseline on a sunburn because it's very thick and it will trap the heat in. So avoid, you know, heavy, thick cream. So aloe and milk or some people use yogurt is great for that. Listen, I learned so much. This is like, I, you've just enhanced my dermatologic <laughs> practice as a primary care guy beyond oh, belief. So this good. is awesome. And I can now tell my girlfriend that the little jade roller <laughs> is, is the real deal. She is going to be very impressed. Uh, yeah. Wait till I <laughs> wait till I pull out all this other stuff you told me. Yeah, I'm there, gonna you have to, like, there you commit go. Commit it to memory. You've been amazing. <laughs> I cannot thank you. This has been like super fun. I could go yeah, on and on and so on. Fun. So where can we find you? How can our audience find you on social media? Tell us about your podcast. Let's hear the whole deal. So Skin by Dr. Ozzy is my handle on Instagram. And I'm also now on TikTok because I have a tween daughter who's put me on TikTok. <laughs> um, <laughs> but my, my podcast is More Than a Pretty Face. And you can find it on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. And it's, you know, short episodes. And I love doing it because I just love educating the public. As you can see, I'm very passionate about skincare and skin health and all the fun cosmetic rejuvenation technologies that are out. I also have a YouTube channel. Again, it's Skin by Dr. Ozzy. And it's not like Ozzy Osbourne. It's A-Z-I. <laughs> A-Z-I, everybody. Remember? Yeah, Dr. A -Z -I. Ozzy, A-Z-I. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so uh, follow me on any of those platforms. And I hope that uh, this was valuable for a lot of your listeners. It was really fun for me to do.
It was a ton of fun. So uh, there we go. Natural looking, flawless skin. What I love, I'm going to stress the natural looking because that's what we all want. And the other thing I absolutely learned that I love is that I still can't believe that only 10% of men get cellulite. No wonder why I never see that. I had no idea. No, life is not fair. I know. Listen, guys, <laughs> you if think you're listening out there. shoulders and we have to use, you know, yeah. double cleansing and all well, Guys are like, we're such babies and, uh, you know. <laughs> Like I'm one of them, so I can say it, but yeah, I, I'm with you. Listen, Dr. Ozzy, it's been so much fun. I really appreciate your time. And uh, listen, I learned a ton and I hope everybody who listened today did as well. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And uh, that, uh, thank you. So that's going to do it for us, guys. Uh, remember to subscribe, download, and listen to Wellness Inc. with me, Dr. Mike Moreno, today. And uh, I want to thank everybody and uh, look forward to next time. Thanks so much, guys. Take care. The Wellness Inc. with Dr. Mike Moreno podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended as a replacement or substitution for any professional medical, financial, legal, or other advice, diagnosis, or treatment. This podcast does not constitute the practice of medicine or any other professional service. The use of any information provided during this podcast is at the listener's own risk. For medical or other advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a physician or other trained professional. Thank you.